Greetings, adventures, and welcome to GNGG Cast. Welcome everyone to Good Night and Good Game, your Geek News Roundup for the week that was. I'm your host, James, and with me this week, as always, is my co-host, Hector. Hello. This week on the show, after the news, it's time to talk about PlayStation's state of play. Oh, and spoilers, it was really good. It was really good. <laughs> yeah. Before we start, don't forget that you can head over to goodnight.gg, where as a patron of our show, you can suggest topics for us to talk about. I'm going to get to writing our Expanse episode this weekend, as long as the fates will allow it. As long as nothing crazy happens, I will be working on that, so we should hopefully have that for you soon. With all that out of the way, it's time for the Prelude. Prelude. All right, this is the Prelude. This is what we've been doing with ourselves this week, what we've been playing, what we've been watching, what's been occupying our free time, and what has been making us happy. Hector, what do you got for me this week? Oh, man. So this week, I uh, finally sat down and I watched Shorzy. Mm-hmm. Um, Shorzy, for anyone who doesn't know, is a spinoff of the show Letterkenny. Um, if you're a first-time viewer, then you may not know that we're all big fans of this show. Uh, on this show, on we're this big show, fans big, of that show. Yep. Uh, yeah, Letterkenny, um, just a, a tiny bit of history, is a show coming out of Canada mm-hmm. about, I don't know, the best you could best way you could say it is Canadian rednecks, uh, farmers, people of the land, living out in small communities and living their daily lives. Mm-hmm. It's about small-town people with interesting problems, huge vocabularies, who live in places with an impossible amount of hot women. Mm-hmm. Um, and Shorzy is a continuation of that. Shorzy himself was a side character played by the writer and main character of the show. The conceit being that much like Wilson from uh, 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 Home Improvement, he never showed his face right. because he was the same actor as the main character. Mm-hmm. So uh, as we break off into this new show, uh, we have the, uh, the the writer from the original show completely writing this show and playing the main character yet again. It's kind of a conceit, but it's so good. Like, mm-hmm. I can't even describe to you. This made me feel a little bit like the first time I saw the second season of Letterkenny. Because mm-hmm. the first season is all just, like, hopes and dreams. And, like, I can't believe how funny this is. What is this? How are these people yeah. so clever? And when you get into the second season, you realize how much the show is going to grow on you. Mm-hmm. And how much the humor has, like, not outstayed its welcome in that ar- Archer sort of way. Yeah. That they're going to keep creating and keep adding new things. And that the show will continue to get funnier. You just have that feeling. Mm-hmm. This show gave me that feeling easily and expertly in its first season. Nice. All I could think of was like, this is one of the best seasons of Letterkenny I've ever seen. And none of the Letterkenny characters are in it, except for Shorzy and one or two cameos and one or two acting cameos that are amazing. Okay. Because anybody who is cameoing from Letterkenny in this show is not speaking the English language. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so it, it, it's absolutely wonderful. I can't recommend it enough. Um, video game wise, I'm not doing too much different. You know, mm-hmm. I'm 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 playing a little Fall Guys, playing a lot of Deep Rock Galactic, mm-hmm. and um, V Rising still. So those are all uh, really good. But um, yeah, go Shorzy is all on Hulu. It's a six episode run. It's like 25 minutes an episode on the high end, so you can get it all done in one sitting if you really want to. But mm-hmm. it is absolutely hilarious, and it's worth your time. Okay, great. Uh, just very briefly, we both watched the first episode of Obi Wan just before yes, the show did. started. Yes, we uh, did. We're enjoying it. We I'm enjoying it very it. much. I'm I'm gonna watch more of it yeah. very soon. <laughs> uh, over on my side of the world, pretty simple, really. Uh, I spent the entire weekend binging Stranger Things. Mm, okay, um, yes, like I haven't done it, that. Like all of it, and um, the sh- I will say, if you haven't watched it yet. The first episodes run the normal kind of hour gamut. Uh, by the end of it, you are hitting feature length two hour episodes. Um, it earns every fucking minute that it is on screen. 
And for those people who have been kind of complaining, like, oh, those episodes are too long, are probably the same people who got done with season three and said, I just want more Stranger Things. Yeah. Like, th- this is what this is. This yeah. is a, they, they've been off the air for years. Yeah. They're saying, all right, you want more Stranger Things? We're fucking giving more Stranger yeah. Things. Uh, like, let's not forget that they're really trying to wrap this up. All of the kids from Stranger Things look like they're on their second marriage. So, like, <laughs> yeah, they do, like they we, we, need to, we need to finish this while they're still children. We're not trying to do it part two out here. Right. So, uh, the interesting side effect of binging Stranger Things was I had taken a very long hiatus from control. Mm. But after I got done with Stranger Things, nice. I was like, man, I really want to play some fucking control. Yeah, I dive right back in there. And so, yeah, I got back in there and made a ton of progress in a very short amount of time. I uh, got to some really cool parts. Uh, I won't spoil anything, but for Hector's reference, I met the brother. Oh, awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a little bit past that. Uh, Control, absolutely fantastic game. Again, very, like, oppressive game. Uh, but I think, honestly, like, watching Stranger Things rekindled my, like, desire to go back and play it because that kind of really oppressive, like, militaristic government but supernatural, like, mm-hmm. it just, it all fit together like a nice sandwich. Yeah, so I was really excited about that. Uh, so, yeah, that's everything that we've been doing with ourselves this week. We're going to take a small break. When we come back, we'll be going into the news in the Weekly Raid. The Weekly Raid. Hey, everyone. This is the Weekly Raid, our news highlights for the week. First up, the horror anthology series from Shudder, Creepshow, is getting its own five-issue comic book run thanks to Skybound. Each issue will have creative teams that range from people who have worked on the show to people who work in comics and more. Now, if you know anything about the history of Creepshow, this is pretty cool news because Creepshow began as films that were trying to emulate the old EC Tales from the Crypt comics. Things like Haunt of Fear, Tales from the Crypt, Vault of Horror, down to like the creep himself being more like a more rotted version of the Crypt Keeper. And if you've never seen a Tales from the Crypt comic before, um, that Creepshow comic book they always show at the beginning that has like the red border with like the little like uh, pictures on the side, that's literally taken from Tales from the Crypt. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember remember the full history of creep show but i i want to say if my history serves and i apologize if i'm incorrect creep show began life as wanting to be a tales from the crypt like film but like they couldn't get the right so they just made not tales from the crypt okay yeah. and that was back in the 80s and so that kind of just carried over into the show and everything else um so now it's all come full circle and what started as a horror anthology movie parodying a comic book from the 50s that was discontinued is now coming to us in comic book form Okay. That is a full fucking history of Creepshow for those of you who are unaware of it. Uh, Neil Blomkamp was asked this week if we could still expect to see a sequel to his hit film District 9. According Mm. to Blomkamp, he's still working on it and, quote, it is within the near future. Now, this is exciting news if you're a fan of District 9. However, it's not as exciting if you know how often Neil Blomkamp's projects seem to get canceled. Yeah. Look, no one will let him do anything, even though every time he does something, a bunch of people go, man, he's fucking great at this. Like, District 9 won awards. Yeah. District 9 is amazing. I love Chappie. Like, yeah. like, and the, the stuff that he works on is very good. But they just won't let him do anything. Yeah. They, they, they don't. Hollywood has this thing where, especially right now, when when the economy is taking a turn for the worse and like all we really have in theaters that people complain about and point out are like big movies is because film companies right now are risk averse. And yeah. for, for whatever reason, for Neil Baumkamp, it seems like they've always been risk averse, mm-hmm. but they, they, they have a hard time wasting money on weirdos, even though he makes amazing stuff. And he really does. So just... Just give him money. Let the man make a film. Just let him do stuff, man. Come on. (laughs) Uh, True Detective is coming back for a fourth season. Jodie Foster is set to star in it. 
and the season will be titled True Detective Night Country. Quote, the series is centered around detectives Liz Danvers and Evangeline Navarro, who are looking to solve the case of six men that operate the Talisal Arctic Research Station um, that have vanished without a trace. When the long winter night falls in Ennis, Alaska, the pair will have to confront the darkness they carry in themselves and dig into the haunted truths that lie beneath the eternal ice. Okay, so that sounds awesome. Um, for anyone not familiar with True Detective, uh, the first season, if you have HBO Max, you owe it to yourself to watch it if you haven't, mm. is all time some of the greatest television to ever, ever put to the ever, medium. Ever exists. E- ever put to the medium. The second season is a fucking tragedy. Don't watch it. it it's, 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 it's truly, uh, it, it, you know, the meme with a kid who tries the Popeye's popcorn shrimp and he says, my disappointment is immeasurable and my day is ruined. That's that no, season, season two, two of true detective. <laughs> my disappointment was immeasurable in my entire, all every day that I saw an episode of that show, that day was ruined. Mm-hmm. Season three. I was so disappointed by season two, I only watched one episode of season three. Yeah. And you know what? It was good, but I just couldn't bring myself to keep going because <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't stand the the, the pain. It's probably good. It, it, it might be. I, I honestly don't know whether or not Brooklyn's it's good. finally joining us in chat after a long absence. He says true crime season two is Devil May Cry 2 to Devil May Cry 1. He's and right. you know what? He's right. Mm-hmm. That's exactly the apt comparison for yeah. that. But everything about this season four sounds like this is going to be fucking It sounds awesome. Amazing. I love the idea of a writer and director team this serious tackling this subject matter. Yeah, like, like, like yeah, the, the the eternal night, the the Alaskan, like, yeah, I I love it. Mm-hmm. This sounds cool as hell. I hope it's good. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I should go back and watch season three. I should too. That, that, I, think I think I'm just gonna to. I'm just gonna skip season two. Dude, I, I, skip season two hard. I started like the yeah. I got like halfway through it, and I'm like, nope. Yeah, I no. just nope the fuck skip out it. of that. Skip it. GameStop has had a rough week this week as they announced a loss of $157.9 million over the last three months. To make up for this, GameStop has decided they want to move away from the traditional brick-and-mortar stores and focus on launching the GameStop NFT marketplace later this year. (laughs) This store will allow users to store, receive, and use cryptocurrencies and NFTs across a decentralized application. Tell me your company's failing without telling me your company is failing. Not only do they announce they lost like a hundred million dollars in the last three months as if we haven't been hearing about numbers in the billion from companies all around us for the last several years. Yeah. As if they have a problem and then announce they're getting into NFTs. This is some my pillow level this, shit from GameStop. Is, you know what GameStop is right now? It's all of the Internet Explorer memes that exist. I actually don't know what a GameStop is right now. <laughs> Please tell me, and I and I and I'm and I'm saying this seriously. Please tell me the last time you remember standing inside of a GameStop. I can tell you exactly the last time I remember standing inside of a GameStop. I needed to do some last minute Christmas shopping, and there was absolutely nothing in the store. Mm-hmm. And it was in a mall. Mm-hmm. That that's it. What year was it? Uh, two years ago. Okay, okay. I don't think I've been in a GameStop for a. About 11 but years. But you also haven't been like in the mall for 11 years. Yeah, because so. I fucking hate malls because they're horrible. I do horrible. too, but I'm also bad at last minute Christmas shopping, okay? <laughs> so I end up there once a year and I hate my life and I hate everything around me and I hate the people that I'm surrounded by. And I just realize that's why I never go to fucking malls. And then it gets to fucking, fucking December 20th and I go, yeah. well, shit, 
I yeah. gotta go to the fucking Where mall. do they have a bunch of shit? I need to get people shit. Right. I need my mother to love me for another year. So I need to go buy her something. That's the reason I end up there. It's not out of any kind of sense of joy. I've never gone in. I haven't gone into a game store, GameStop in years and felt joy. No. Yeah. That, that, that ship has long sailed. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and so this is why GameStop is getting into NFTs. Right. Because none of us feel joy going in there and haven't for decades. And if all of you are confused by NFTs and cryptocurrency, I want to point this out. For a little behind-the-scenes talk of this show, we actually did have a full episode, like a mm-hmm. boss room that we were going to do dedicated to NFTs and cryptocurrency. And we were going to sit down and we were going to explain it all in plain English and try and make some sense of it for our audience who may not understand any of it. But then the market crashed yeah. and everybody went, this shit's stupid. Yeah. So it's oh, a, wait, it, this was a scam all it was a literal waste of our time to we wouldn't want to bore you with that because yeah. all of that shit is dying mm-hmm. so why bother so now we have GameStop being like oh yeah we should totally invest in that right now it's like the Internet Explorer memes it's just no, this is straight up this is straight up a GameStop move yeah this is a GameStop move this is the same as when like comic book movies took off and three years later they were like we should sell comics in our stores too it's like what my dude, have you not even been... Wa- Whose idea was this and why don't they pay attention to what's happening in the world? Yeah, it is hor- absolutely fucking horrible. Uh, okay, let's get into fun news. This, yeah. the, the back half of the news this week is all fun shit. So let's talk about the fun shit. Uh, oh, by the way, just as... By, I, high five real quick, Hector. Oh, yeah, I love high five. Um, we do not, believe it or not, audience, have a Blizzard Are You Okay segment this week. Okay, yeah. They got away with a week. Yeah. They got away with one week in the last three months that we've been doing this segment where I haven't seen any news that we needed to talk about. So I know that I know that by me saying this. Oh, don't worry. Next week, we're going to hear all about how good or not good uh, Diablo Immortal is. Oh, yeah. I forgot to tell you. Yes, I I have loaded and played about 30 seconds of Diablo Immortal. I am planning on playing more this week just to. Come back and report about it. Like, I'm, I am going to go through this pain for all of you, just so you know that. I rolled a necromancer because necromancers are badass. Yeah, they are. All right, but to the fun stuff. It was a huge week for Star Wars fans. Not only did the Obi-Wan series launch this week, but the Star Wars celebration went into full effect. The first big announcement was that Diego's Luna, Luna's character from Rogue One is getting his own series called Andor. It will take five year, take place five years before the events of Rogue One, and the twelve episode first season will debut on August thirty first on Disney Plus. Okay. Now, for those of you who did love Rogue One, please note that they did say that K two S O will not appear in the first season, but they are planning on the droid showing up in the second. Okay. Cool. I mean, now I want to take a minute to just say, fucking love Rogue One. Yeah, Rogue One Fucking is... Fucking love that movie. Yeah, yeah. Probably, if it weren't for um, The Last Jedi, I would say it would... The best of the prequels would be my opinion. Yeah, I mean... Or not just, prequels, but, you know, the continuation. Modern, the modern yeah, Star the, the Wars. Modern, the, yeah, yeah. The, the modern set of Star yeah, Wars Yeah, Rogue movies. One, if you haven't seen it, please pause the podcast. Yeah. Go... Get, yeah, on yeah, yeah, Plus yeah, get on Disney Plus and just and please watch go it. watch Rogue One. Yeah, because it's a fucking masterpiece. Movie rules. Like, and, and the thing is, is like I I say this often, but I do try to take away the good from most of the things that I watch. You know, even when we went and saw the Eternals, I was like, you know what? There's some good stuff in there. Mm-hmm. It, it's a rare occasion where I'm just like, it's like Morbius, where I'm like, mm. yeah, that was actual like, trash. Like, and when we walk out, we call it trash. That doesn't like, that doesn't happen. That often. doesn't happen. Like no. I was str- like I struggled to like find a compliment for it. I was like, I see where they were going with it. 
And like that was the best I could give Morbius. Yeah. And like, but and that's the thing is that when we talk about these prequel movies, uh, specifically, and this is a total side tangent. Um, like I even had like nice things to say about Solo. I was like, you know what? I, I had a good time. There were really great things about Solo. There were, there, the Solo casting, had some really the good casting parts. was amazing. Yeah, the Kessel Run was cool as that hell. That was cool. That whole scene was great. The whole movie, you know, the whole movie was built around that one thing. Yeah. Like sometimes you watch a, an episode of a television show or a movie or something, and you're like, mm-hmm. it, it, "This all that was the core concept." Like, yeah. okay, we want to do the Kessel Run. How do we do it? All right, here we go. Let's build the story around that, and that's yeah. why that part was so amazing. There mm-hmm. was there was some jank to the rest of it, but that's fine. Yeah, I, I have I have a thousand and one complaints about that movie, which I won't get into here because we're we're liking Star Wars today. We are liking Star Wars today. Yeah. Um, also, if you're a racist asshole, oh yeah, please, please um, stop. If any of you listening to this right now, <laughs> wherever or plan to ever be racist to anyone playing a Star Wars character, please leave. Yeah, get the fuck out. Yeah, that, was a, thing, that was a thing that happened this week, and I tried to keep it mostly upbeat news, but, you know, with Obi-Wan coming out, there have been a lot of people online, mm-hmm. uh, try, and I don't have the actress's name in front of me, I apologize, um, saying some very unkind things to her, um, yeah. because, you know, we don't like people that aren't white in our Star Wars, and if you think that way, get the fuck out, like, that's, yeah. that's, that's it, we're done. These like, are the type of people who think the stormtroopers are cool, and right. who, like, side with the Empire, you I know. know. I know yeah. it's and you know it's one of those it's so funny that you bring that up because I was always one of those people that was like growing up and I loved like the Sith and I loved the Empire like I seriously I have an Empire bathrobe it is a literal <laughs> bathrobe with the Empire sigil on it that has a hood it's a bathrobe and I love this bathrobe it's my favorite one of my favorite articles of clothing that I own and I did f- I found myself over the last like eight years going like Right, but is it okay to like that now? <laughs> so look, so and, like, and it's all fantasy, and and all of that is fine. And if you're a fan of the bad guys in your favorite, you know, space wizard for children fantasy, then that's I'm not saying you're a bad person, right? And you know what? Liking the Sith is one thing, in my opinion. This is strictly my opinion. Liking the Sith is one thing. They're what is Hector's, edgy. Hector's Star Wars hot takes go? Yes, the, the, the Sith are, are, are lasery and edgy, and they're not a bunch of fucking virgins, and they're <laughs> ready to just get out there and fuck and fight for whatever they believe in and throw fucking lightning out of their fingers. Mm-hmm. They're just, they, they love power, yep. and they're basically metaphors for vampires, but yep. like Castlevania-style vampires that rule the world. Mm-hmm. You know, power does nothing but eat. That's that. That's the lesson that all Sith need to learn. But until then, they're badass and they're goth, and they could like hang out in that in that one really goth club in the first Matrix movie. All the Sith mm-hmm. thing out there, yep, right? Yep. Sith are cool. Stormtroopers are fucking cops. Yeah, they are in a fascist dictatorship, and it's not okay to like them. It's true. It's weird to like them, guys. I don't think I've ever they're, liked a stormtrooper. They're literally known for having bad aim and fascism. That's their two things. <laughs> they are ineffective, <laughs> shitty fascists. It's not okay to like stormtroopers. Hector's hot takes for Star Wars. It's also not okay to be a fascist. Uh, uh, yeah, hundred percent that. But yeah. it, uh, uh, this this machine punches fascists. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? You're absolutely right on that, though, because I don't think I've ever liked a stormtrooper, yeah. but I have always loved Seth. Yeah, I'm just like they are so cool. Seth, they're like, cool as that. fuck. You know, I was a goth kid. I was into that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. It, it worked for me. Yeah, right. <laughs> Man, did we get off topic? I love this. <laughs> we have so much more Star Wars to talk about, y'all. Mm-hmm. Uh, more information about the Mandalorian season three was dropped during a panel. Uh, the biggest takeaway is that the upcoming season will revolve around Din's quote, returning to Mandalore so he can be forgiven for his transgressions. Fucking cool. He's going to bring, he's going to bring Grogu with him and they're going to be Mandalorian warriors instead of Jedi. 
It's going to be amazing. I I am literally giddy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I have, <laughs> like, that's going to be feel, awesome. I have feelings about this because I've, I've always had conflicting feelings about Jen's battle with the Mandalore legacy mm-hmm. because he does follow this like very strict kind of old fashioned yeah. Mandalore sensibility. And there's it, a part of me that's just like, just abandoned it. Literally all the rest of them have abandoned it, mm-hmm. but he's like so dedicated to this like lineage of Mandalore. Right. So he met like the separatists, right. And they yeah. were all like, yeah, fuck our helmets willy nilly. Yeah. But then when, you know, he gets back to the, his like fundamentalist home team, they literally kick him out and don't help him. Right. For having to like, it's, it's tough, man. Yeah. Like there's, uh, a, there's a very yeah. strong metaphor for like religious persecution in mm-hmm. there. Oh yeah. That can really be like ascertained from just like watching between the scenes mm-hmm. essentially with it. I'm sounding really pretentious about star Wars. I'm no, sorry. no. I like, I, it's almost like, like I could see the, same beats happening in like a a, a like old school um uh, uh, you know kevin costner robin hood sort of way mm. with like the catholic church and the the king of england and shit mm. and it's like one faction hates you even though you used to be with them and then you go save your friends anyway it's all yeah. very cool there's, a, there's actually a really great show this is so like uh, aside to the whole thing <laughs> there's this really great show on hulu that it was like early days of hulu it's okay. still up there it's called the path okay and it is a story about a cult um, even though they don't call themselves a cult, but they are definitely like they live on <laughs> Which like, cults do? like a farm in New York and they convince everybody they're completely normal, but it's definitely a fucking cult. And they're one of the main characters. I think it's like Aaron Paul's character um, really struggles with like barely being dedicated to the path, which is where he gets the name from. Mm-hmm. And then like going out into the real world and then starting to kind of doubt the religious practices of it. Yeah. And it's, it's really weird to say this, but I could see kind of a through line between these two shows because oh, it's yeah. a struggle with this, you know, faith that nobody seems to really recognize except for a short amount of people. And if you do something against them, then you're kicked the fuck out. Yeah. And it's just like, it's, it's tough, man. And he's almost having the same problem that like a Jedi would, right? Mm-hmm. Where like if a Jedi goes out into the world with all of his training and his learning and he falls in love, he's not allowed to, right? right? Yeah. And if, you know, fucking Jin goes out and does everything he can to, like, help his friends and save people's lives, and he has to take off his helmet to do that. Right. And that's not okay. And and the, the, the alternative was letting people die, then, you know, mm-hmm. maybe... Maybe there should be some fucking flexibility. Maybe some, some <laughs> yeah. fucking flexibility, y'all. Yeah. Just saying. Maybe raising an army of hyper warrior telekinetic virgins is a problem maybe that is a problem it all seems to be coming back around with star wars for some reason we seem to be talking in circles about this whole thing Mm -hmm. Uh, let's see here there was a panel uh, about the upcoming ahsoka show and holy Mm. crap y'all the announcements from this so first off if you have slept on the show star wars rebels because it's a i don't know kids show i'm doing air quotes radio mm-hmm. just so you know um you are completely missing out because yeah. star wars rebels gets fucking dark like it is a dark fucking show um uh, but the big news coming out from ahsoka is that uh, sabine wren will actually be coming to life the character from star wars rebels and i'm gonna try not to butcher her name it's uh natasha liu uh bador bazor oh Bedorzo. Bedorzo. Yes, okay. there it is. Sorry, it took me a second. Um, she's going to be playing Sabine, and everybody's really excited about that because Sabine's such an amazing, colorful character. Cool. But the bigger news that came out of this was a fucking droid, y'all. They showed a live action version of the droid Chopper who's going to be making his way into this show. Now, if you've never seen Star Wars Rebels, you're like, James, why are you excited for a droid? Droids are not that exciting. Not even the show Star Wars Droids was that exciting because droids are not exciting. <laughs> First off, 
Chopper fucking murders people and he fucking loves it. That's why he's the best fucking droid. Chopper, everywhere else in like the, the canon of Star Wars, it's always questionable whether or not like somebody has killed somebody. No, Chopper's got a body count and he is proud of it. He will like, I think that you could like actually Google online, like how many people has like Chopper and Star Wars killed? And it will give you a number. Nice. It's like, he is like very proud of taking motherfuckers out. So him showing up on Ahsoka, like where like every other character is like, okay, like Ahsoka's going to be like our Jedi, but you know, she's going to be putting forward that Jedi energy and kind of like the balance. We need to talk through things, but lightsaber, what needs to happen. Then you have Sabine, who's like the little bit rebellious and wild. Um, but you know, she's like got that kind of Mandalore spirit. And then you have motherfucking kills people chopper. Like this <laughs> sounds like the perfect Joss Whedon show without fucking Joss Whedon in it because Joss Whedon's a horrible human being. Yeah, that sounds good. Like, if you seriously, if you've not seen Star Wars Rebels, please go watch it. It is so good. Um, you may be confused if you haven't seen Clone Wars because it does do a little bit of like, here's some stuff from Clone Wars we're bringing yeah. over. But there's some overlap. There's some overlap. Yeah. All right. Jude Law is set to star in a new series called Skeleton Crew. It was created by John Watts and Chris Ford. It is set in the same time period as the Mandalorian and Ahsoka, and it will center on a ragtag group of children as they travel across the galaxy. During an interview about this show, Filoni stated that while this is a show with kids in it, it is not necessarily a kid's show. He said, quote, it is as much of a kid's show as Clone Wars, because I'm like, we cut people's heads off in Clone Wars, so I really don't know <laughs> if that's the best measure of like what's a kid's show. Yeah, that's fair. And like, and I thought about that going back and like, I, it took me years to go and watch the Clone Wars. It took a mutual friend of ours, mm -hmm. uh, Josh, oh, yeah. to be like, hey, you know, like you really should be watching Clone Wars before Mandalorian comes out. Oh yeah, out. no, I, that's the same way I watch it. He gave yeah. me a list of like the episodes I needed to see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I sat down and I watched it. And at some point I'm sitting here watching this show and I'm like, this started off like a kid's show, but it's not anymore. Yeah. Like, just, Motherfuckers dying left and right. And it was like the same way with like Rebels as well. Rebels starts off and it's like, oh, look at this kid. And he gets a lightsaber and he gets to do some cool Jedi things. And then by like at the end of season one, it's just like genocides and fucking like people's heads being blown off. And you're like, what the fuck, Star Wars? Like, why? Why? Yeah. Why you got to be so angry, so, Star Wars? Oh, oh, it, 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 it's in the title. It's always been a show about war. <laughs> right. War fucking sucks. <laughs> Star Wars never changes. <laughs> uh, let's see here. A, a trailer for Bad Batch season two is shown. Righteous. Um, and we could go sit down and talk about who all shows up in the trailer. But really the big takeaway is that it looks absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. And the central core of the plot for Bad Batch season two is going to revolve around how the soldiers of the Bad Batch really deal with the fallout of Order 66. And that seems to be like the theme of Star Wars right now. Like one of the things yeah. I did, one of the things I didn't put in the notes that they showed as well was they showed the trailer for the new Jedi Fallen Order game, mm, which of course takes yeah. place after Order sixty six. It is Jedi Knight Survivor. Survivor, yes. Survivor, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like Obi Wan literally opens up with a scene of like Order sixty six going down. Mm -hmm. So like this is where Filoni's really wanting to hang his head. Or, or yeah, head yeah. It, it feels like this has been the core of his like molding of the universe as we go forward. Everything kind of starts from this point, right? Yeah. We have to under we have to have the understanding that there was this horrible thing that happened mm -hmm. and then we can then move out from there. Right, because we can always get to and when we're still not there yet, we can always get to the original trilogy and move out from it. But 
you know, we decided to not do any of that and just, right. you know, get, let, let's work with where we're, we know. We're, we're operating right now kind of in two time periods for Star Wars. And Star Wars nerds, I apologize if I'm getting this incorrect. It seems to be, we seem to be operating like just before A New Hope or after Return of the Jedi. Like mm-hmm. That's where our current shows and stuff are kind of living right now. Right. Yeah. That, that, that's the space we're playing in. We want to, yeah. we want to, you know, it's, uh, preserve the original trilogy as much as possible. Yeah, we're kind, without, of, we're kind of bookending it. Yeah, without the need to, like, throw inserts in or, like, change any of the movies ever, ever, ever again. Fucking yeah. Lucas, like, don't do that. Yeah. Um, And just, you know, work around it. We'll work with what we have. Yeah. Uh, while not Star Wars related, one of the big announcements from the event was the trailer that was shown for Disney Plus's Willow series. Yeah. Uh, Warwick Davis is back playing the role of the hero Willow. And he looks badass. He does. And it seems to take place after the events of the film, obviously. Now, if you've never seen this fantasy classic from 1988, you really should. I think it's on Disney Plus, actually. I think so, too. This is Val Kilmer in his prime. It was way ahead of its time. It's a dark fantasy movie. I used to watch this show on TV called Movie Magic, mm-hmm. and they had an entire episode that I, I recorded on VHS and would watch over and over again to like just the making of Willow's effects because it did these like cool polymorph things that kind of used CG back before that was even a, really a thing. Right. Like the, the the tech that was used to make this movie is so fucking ahead of its time. I used to be, I, I have a thing for skull faced bad guys growing up like Skeletor. Uh, uh, Willow had the, had General Kale. I loved him. He was just this badass general who just wore this skull on his face. Um, it, it's everything about this movie is great and magical and it's a feel good movie mm-hmm. and I think that it, it still really holds up like you'll look at some of the effects and be like eh but like I think it's just one of those movies that just really stood the test of time yeah no I couldn't agree more if you're at all a fan of uh, let me say like the, the 80s fantasy core for children Legend, Labyrinth. Labyrinth Legend The Dark Crystal yeah. this movie belongs sitting right next in, to all of those on your shelf pantheon. Yeah. yeah like like if you have a shelf like that, there's a spot for Willow right there next to these movies yeah. next and, to David Bowie's codpiece yes right there you know right there Okay, so finally, our last bit of news is that it was announced that Taika Waititi will be the head of the next Star Wars film, not Mm. series, film. Nothing is known about it, but it was revealed that he had had this film mapped out like in his head and on paper and handed over to Lucasfilm since August 2021. Okay. According to Kathleen Kennedy, which if you don't know, she does like amazing things in the Star Wars universe. She's um, God. Yeah. So, you know, like like if, if anything ever happens in Star Wars that it, and anyone ever puts a camera at, yep. Kathleen Kennedy had a say in it. Yep. Just period. The, to, according to Kathleen Kennedy, the goal at Lucasfilm, starting with this Taika Waititi film. Remember, we are talking about Taika Waititi. We are talking about what we do in the shadows. Mm-hmm. We are talking about, you know, like Thor. Thor. Very soon, like, Thor, Love and Thunder. about... You know, Jojo Rabbit. Mm-hmm. We are talking about a man who has a very colorful sense of the world. If you have not seen any episodes of Our Flag Means Death, it is Pride Month. Do yourself a favor yeah. and go watch Our Flag Means Death on HBO. Do it. It's pirates. It's kind of gay. It's amazing. Hector and I watch it together and we laugh a lot. It's so funny. Please go watch it. But this is the man that they have chosen to lead the charge for, quote, a whole new saga of Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, they could do worse. 
He already, I mean, he, he, he already directed an episode of The Mandalorian. Yeah, he did, and it was dope. It, it, was, it was literally the finale of season one. Yeah. yeah. If, if anybody who watched the, that episode of The Mandalorian where the two stormtroopers are just talking to each other in the desert and was like, oh, that's funny. It's just them talking. Yeah. And like, that was him. That's Taiko fucking Titi. Like, yeah. uh the man can do no wrong by me. And if that is the platform that we want to launch new Star Wars in, because Taiko Atiti does know how to get dark. If you've ever seen Jojo Rabbit, like, yeah, it starts really cute and fun, and then it gets dark. Yep. And then you cry. And then you cry. He starts off really funny, and he even said it himself in a like uh, interview, and I don't have the exact quote, so I apologize. It's something like, I, either he said it or somebody said it about him, which was like, he can make you like spend the first half of the movie, like really laughing and having fun. And then the second half of the movie, he's going to make you feel things. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. And that's, that's how what, we get you. And that's what you need in a star Wars. Yeah. That's what you want in a star Wars. For real. You, you, what you want in a star Wars movie and what Taika Waititi really does with things that other people have failed to do is he entertains you. Mm-hmm. This is the man who fixed Thor. Right. Do you remember what Thor was like before Ragnarok? Does anyone remember what Thor? We all prefer not to. We watch the first one when we do our Marvel watch through because it's one of the original Pantheon. But how many of us skip Thor Dark World? Right. I think most of us. I think most of us just don't we, watch we, that we one again. We tolerated Thor one. We were just like, because that was the best we would get at the time. Yeah. And, and you know what? The, the only low. thing we had to compare it to was Iron Man. And we were like, this isn't bad. Look, Natalie Portman's here. Right. I'm cool with this. And then Taika Waititi said, I'm going to take Natalie Portman. We're going to get her buff, y'all. Yeah. And I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'm so excited. <laughs> so I am happy that Taika Waititi is the man who's going to be leading the next stage of the Star Wars revolution. And I hope that all the angry incels out there are angry about this. Because you know what? If he makes Star Wars even 5% gayer, mm-hmm. I am fucking here for it. Oh, Star Wars needs to be so much gayer. It's an entire galaxy. Right? Where are the gays? <laughs> it should be statistically 10%. There's no gays anywhere. <laughs> Show me a gay Jedi. Show me a gay Sith. Right? Oh, I'm into it. There's straight up Oh, Taika Waititi would do it, too. Dude, just straight up like Shangela-style Sith. He knows like the rule of twos exists for a reason, yeah. y'all. Yeah, straight up. One, of them's, one of them's their fucking fucking mom that's why <laughs> the drag mom it's the sith drag mom exactly oh my god yeah there's nothing the only way that i would love this more if he was like uh, rain johnson's gonna direct my second movie <laughs> right. all right that is everything that we have for star wars everything we have for all of this set of news but we do have so much more to talk about when we come back on the other side in the boss room boss room Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. This is The Boss Room, our main talking point for the podcast. Sometimes related to the news, sometimes not. You know what? We've been doing a lot of things that aren't related to the news. This week, absolutely related to the news. Absolutely just got done airing an hour and a half ago. Yeah. Absolutely did do finish the show notes while we were sitting there watching this. I had all the rest of the notes done, but I was like, all right, boss room. I just going to have to manually type it out as it go. So with that, I don't have a lot that's scripted. So if you're expecting me to get into like super host voice, because I'm talking about what's going on PlayStation, we are doing it live as Brooklyn is saying in chat. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, less host voice me, which I, I have been told is a thing. Apparently I have a, I turn my host voice on sometimes. Mm-hmm. No, it's and, absolutely and, a thing. Yeah. It's yeah. very weird. Mm-hmm. Like y'all have pointed it out to me and it's not even like, like I'm doing the host voice, like I'm like doing hosting a show. It's like we'll be out going to like the movies, yeah. and like somebody will ask us about the podcast, and I'll start talking about it, and they'll be like, "James, you're doing the host voice." 
Like, stop it. You're just, you're, and I, I don't know why. I can't turn it off, y'all. I had 20 different really great hosts of podcasts way more famous than ours, including fucking Greg Miller, who at the time was working at IGN, who listened to our show and said, you need to work on your host voice. And then you've got it. You're good. Like Greg Miller told that to me. And I went, all right, Greg, I will work on my host voice. So if you're upset about my host voice, it's Greg Miller's fault. That's what it is. All right. It's time to talk about PlayStation. Host voice is off. Nothing but unabashed joy from here on out. Right oh, after. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. No, because it was it was a joyful show. It was a joyful show. The big thing that we have to point out is that we didn't expect to see the Summer Game Fest tag uh, associated with it. Yeah. Now, for those of you kind of not in the know, Summer Game Fest is something that Jeff Keighley does every year. Um, it kind of works in tandem with E3. It was kind of a compliment to E3, an accoutrement to mm-hmm. E3. This year... Um, there is no E3. This is our E3. Summer yep. Game Fest is our E3. So this is basically the first shot out of the cannon. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the other Summer Game Fest uh, lineups, things like uh, what Microsoft is doing, what Ubisoft is doing. All these companies are going to be releasing their Summer Game Fest videos. All right. Enough of the prelude, preamble for this. Let's just jump into it. There's so much to talk about. I'm, the reason I'm stumbling is because I'm so fucking excited. We have to start with the Resident Evil 4 remake. Yeah. Resident Evil fucking 4 remake. We got a fucking trailer for it. They just went ahead and started us off with, uh, you know, just some some stills from, and yeah. then then some flowing dialogue, and then just R-E-4, Resident Evil. And it's like, whoa. Then it's 4, and you're like, oh. Mm-hmm. And you're watching it, and you're like, okay, this is new engine. Okay, this isn't just... It's definitely modern RDM. It's not remade gameplay, is what I noticed. They didn't show us remade gameplay. They showed us a remake in the same way that they showed us a remake of Resident Evil 2. They didn't throw skins over the top of the game. It looks like they intelligently thought about what would modernize this game. Mm Mm-hmm. And turning Resident Evil 2 into Resident Evil 4 is a truly amazing feat of of remake, you know, anywhere in the yeah. industry. So putting it into... So taking Resident Evil 4, like, we saw enough of it to where I'm very, very intrigued. But I cannot wait to see this game, like, fully in action. Like, mm. I need to see the whole first level oh, right God, now. Yeah. Like, I can't wait. I'm yeah. so excited for more of this. March 24th, 2023. Mm-hmm. But then, when you thought that all the Resident Evil 4 news was done, they dropped a fucking bomb on us. Yeah. All it said was PSVR 2 content in development. In mm-hmm. that phrase, set the stage for the things that are going to follow that we are going to talk about. First up, PSVR 2, Resident Evil Village. Yeah. RE8, y'all. Fucking village. Giant vampire VR. If you want your mommy to step on you, all you have to do now is just lie on the floor. She's coming. She's in your headset. You just put it on, (laughs) lay down, get stepped on. That's that's the game... I'll be playing. <laughs> I, be yeah, play. yeah. I often want to come over and play games with you. I might let you solo. Yeah, I'm no, you solo I think, I think VR is probably going to be a solo experience yeah, in I general. That's going to be yeah. a, just a you thing. Yeah. You can let me know how it goes later. Yeah, but anyway, but just so everyone knows, like people, as soon as RE8 came out and was as popular as it was, everyone was like, oh my God, did you design this one for VR? I know you designed 7 for VR. And they're like, well, actually, no. <laughs> and then everyone's like, why the fuck not? And they're like, okay, 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 we're starting. Yep. So this is what we're seeing. We're seeing 
the innovation they're doing with RE8 to get it into VR. Luckily, they have a lot of experience because they've recently converted Resident Evil 4, the original, into VR. And that went swimmingly. A lot of people thought it was one of the best uh, first-person shooters they've done. Uh, It comes up on a lot of lists of, like, reasons to own VR. Yes, absolutely. And it's not just because it's a great working first-person shooter in VR. It's because it's a game you've already played but can experience differently now. Yeah. People talk about, like, if you played the original game and you know about, like, you'll see a crow's nest in a tree and you shoot... You know, the the nest and an egg falls on the floor and you're like, that's a little bit of health. I'm going to go pick that up. And mm-hmm. you walk your character over to it and you pick it up. In this game, people are talking about putting their gun behind their head backwards and shooting the you know, nest out of the tree and catching the egg as it falls to the ground. Mm-hmm. Like, this is an entirely new way to interact with a beloved original property. Uh, going back to the Resident Evil 4, to going back to the Resident Evil 4 PSVR mm-hmm. thing, one of the first things I noticed is I, we were sitting on the couch and I'm like, wait, are you dual wielding? Yeah. And literally is, they had a knife out in one hand and the pistol out in the other. And I was Yo. like, holy shit, you can dual wield in this. Like, that was amazing. I was so excited about that. Yeah. So VR will add a whole new layer to uh, Resident Evil 8, I'm sure. And, yeah. and more and more games as we go forward. So... Um, I, I hope the PSVR 2 is good because yeah. they showed a, a couple more titles as well. Yeah, next up on that list, they had something called uh, Retribution. It is a Walking Dead game uh, that is set in Louisiana. Yeah, uh, looking at it, it reminded me a lot of, um, not not Dead by Daylight, that's not what I'm thinking of. It reminded uh, me of Left 4 Dead 2. That, that recently too. Left 4 Dead 2 is a really good example. I was also thinking of, um, uh, what's the one where you make your own weapons? Uh, they drop this. Oh, Dead Rising. Thank you. Yeah, Dead Rising. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dead Dead Rising's. Uh, yeah. Uh, basically, like any any like giant zombie horde style game. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there was a lot of first person. There was a lot of melee going on. There was uh, some guns going on. It looked cool. Yeah, it looked like a lot of fun. I've never played a Walking Dead game I've liked ever, but you know, if I, I get a PSVR two, I'd probably really I, be I, into this. I played the Telltale games, and mm. those were a great. They were great. I would play any Telltale game at least that's, once. You know what? That's true. I did play the Telltale Walking Dead game. That's yeah. true. I never finished the third game, but I played the first two. Yeah, I played the so. First. But yeah, uh, weird announcement, but I'm pretty sure this excites a lot of people. Um, they showed off No Man's Sky in PSVR 2. Yeah, I know, like, whatever, wherever no, Man, no Man's Sky fans are. And I've always been worried that now that the game seems to have so much praise thrown at it and is so feature complete, that if I got into it, I'd get really, really into it. Um if I were to get into it, I would want to do it in VR. At Everything point. that I've heard about No Man's Sky at this point, and I own a copy of it for PS4, is that the game in its state now is basically the game they promised when it launched. Right. It's all the co-op, all of the, like, you know, go with your friends, build worlds, discover universes, yep. you know, good procedural generation, lots of stuff And the thing of it do, is, they have not charged for anything but the base game since it came out. Yeah, which they was said, years and years they ago. They said, we're sorry, we fucked up. We're going to give you all this content for free. Mm-hmm. They've been working hard. And like, I think it shows like, I mean, because they're still able to put out content. It means at least people are still buying the game. Yep. So at least that's something. And with No Man's Sky coming to PSVR, I could totally be down on that. Yeah. Yeah. I would absolutely get into it. There was another uh, PSVR 2 title shown. It was the last one they showed in the lineup. Um, Horizon Call of the Mountain. 
Yeah, that one looked interesting. It looks yeah. like a uh, a character set in the world of uh, Horizon, both uh, Zero Dawn and Forbidden West, just, you know, out in this futuristic world where dinosaurs are made out of robots and um, you have a bow and arrow yeah. and uh, some climbing tools. And that's, you know, how you find yourself. And there are tribes, uh, think, you know, natives anywhere in the world, people, you know, pre-technology people, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, living in villages, hunting with bows and arrows, Mm -hmm. surviving agriculture, that sort of thing. Right. Living with nature and in the world around them. I feel like this is largely where they're setting you, um, kind of giving you almost a prestige tour of the world, just from what I saw in the game. And you know what? I love that. I, I hope it's not like a full price experience unless mm. it's really fleshed out. Yeah. But even as like a, a VR tour, I would absolutely grab it for a discount price because that sounds amazing. Yeah. Sounds be, super awesome. All right. Let's get into some of the other stuff. Uh, real quick. They actually showed off some Horizon Forbidden West upgrades that are coming out. Yeah. 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 It looks like and, and they're out today, by the mm. way. Yeah. They added um, an upgrade to the uh, visual performance mode for PS5. Mm-hmm. They added a uh, a new game plus mode. And uh, it seems like a bunch of just uh, regular content for things like uh, being able to respec your skill tree, uh, things like that. The quality of life features into a game that they know is 100 hours long and but they know that people really love. Mm-hmm. So, they, yeah, they, they did. They, they did the same thing for Horizon Zero Dawn back in the day. They added a new game plus and stuff like that. Yeah, like, new game plus, you know, after the fact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. Um Oh, this is a really interesting announcement. Uh, Spider-Man, they're doing a remastered version of the Spider-Man PS4, PS5 game, Mm -hmm. and it's coming to PC. Right, yeah, this is the Spider-Man remastered that they left, that they put on the PS5 that was not an upgrade to the original, but an add-on to, like, make it um, concurrent with uh, the Miles Morales game. Okay. Right, so so it basically gave it all the graphics, whatever small bits of ray tracing they could put in there mm-hmm. based on the old engine. Not the old engine, but the old, like, you know, did framework. I don't know how programming right. works. Um, but uh, they added as much visual pop to it as they could. They got it running, you know, at full 60, 120, whatever mm-hmm. FPS, and then they put it on PS5. Yep. Um, that's the version that's coming to PC. It has all the DLC. It has mm-hmm. everything that the game has to offer. Um, and it is an amazing game. As someone who played it as recently as last year for the probably third time, um, yeah, it's the best Spider-Man game um, there is. Probably one of the better superhero games. Probably one of the better superhero games that's ever been made. I mean, the only game I would compare it to is Miles Morales. Right, and Miles is fucking amazing. Yeah, and Miles is incredible. So, yeah, no, no, I'm glad PT people are getting this. You know, they got God of War recently. That's another game that I can't get enough of. I probably replay like once a year. We've been hearing a lot about, um, over the last few weeks, PlayStation, Sony saying like, look, we understand that like we can make a fuck ton of money in the PC market. Mm-hmm. Just give us time. Yeah. And I think that we're starting to see that. Oh, yeah. I think that honestly, and I don't want to be that guy, even though I'm wearing a from software adjacent shirt. I think the Bloodborne remaster for PC is a matter of um, when and not if. Oh, yeah. It is absolutely a matter of time. They have no reason to hold that back. They own that shit. And honestly, it's not like they need permission from from software. They could use their help, yeah. but they don't need their permission. They, they honestly, will my, do that. my opinion about this whole situation for a long time is I thought that Bloodborne would follow the same kind of lineage as God of War, which is as soon as they are ready to announce Bloodborne 2, mm. they will announce Bloodborne Remastered for PC first. Yeah. 
and it'll I be like, so. get into it because we're doing the remake. Yeah, we're I doing mean, a sequel. It, it being Sony, I would imagine they would release it uh, the the remake for PS5 and then leave a window and yeah. then put it on PC. But I mean, it, it's coming. It has yeah, to be on its way. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, what else could they know how much Blue money they, be doing? they can literally watch like read uh, from software Reddit and be yeah. like, so we're just leaving. Like, there's all this money on the table here, Hector. Mm-hmm. Are we just gonna? Would just anyone gonna, like like to pick up some of this? pile of gonna, cash we're just gonna leave this money on the table yeah. or i don't know what are we gonna do all right uh just real quick one of the things that i'm really excited about is a game called stray um if you know anything about me i do love my cats mm-hmm. and it is a cyberpunk cat game so two of my favorite things yep um and we've seen trailers for it before we've talked about it before on the show mm-hmm. um but we got a release date we got a release date it's july 19th mm-hmm. so right around the corner right around the corner so i need it's- to fucking finish control because i want to play as a cyberpunk cat yeah it's about a cat and the cat talks to robots and that's what we know about it so far and it is adorable he has a cat badge yeah. He goes to a badge dispenser and he gets a cat badge. So yeah. I'm in. That's and all that's according, literally according to Brooklyn, it's going to be free for PlayStation Plus Correct. people. So free for PlayStation Plus. A. This is one of the first games that they've done that they've just said, like, hey, this is PS Plus, like, day one. Which is good because that's the kind of thing they're competing against Microsoft in that space. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so it's, it's good to start deal. small. Yeah. So I'm super excited about this, which means before July 19th, I need to finish Control. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> And the next thing that we saw was something called the Callisto Protocol. Ah, yes. So we saw a um, purely CG, uh, not purely, I can't say it's CG, a purely cinematic trailer for this game. Mm -hmm. I want to say at last E3. Okay. Um, And no one really knew what it was. And everyone, when they were looking at it, thought this is dead space. Right. Like, why isn't this dead space? It's not dead space because it's not EA and it's not visceral. Right. But it's fucking dead space. Yeah. It's just dead space. So we got another trailer. I'm going to say dead space again. We got another trailer today um, with a little bit of gameplay in there. And it looked fucking awesome and looked grim. And it looked like it had a little bit more of a horror bent than a power fantasy bent to it but yeah. it really does still just look like dead space and the best is that way. A, i was gonna say is that a bad thing though? no it's the best thing I, I fuck ea and i'm sorry about what happened to you visceral i don't care about those companies mm. i care about this property and the care that was poured into it and how much i love it even the third one well, i know I mean, it's the getting, worst one but are, the third one's still pretty good we are getting a dead space remake we are and i can't wait for the dead space remake but it I, I'm glad that there someone is carrying on without them. Right. I'm at the very least, it should put a fire up their ass to get that dead space license popping. Right. Because someone is taking their fucking cereal, mm-hmm. and I'm going to eat it. Right. Yeah. I felt that. I can't wait for this game. I, I feel that way every minute that I play the record of Lotus War game on the Switch. Yeah. I'm just like, well, Konami. I'm like, I'm glad somebody built a fucking another Symphony of the Night because right. Konami sure as fuck ain't doing it. Yeah. And it was with an anime license that I liked growing up. So yeah, you know, no, this is good it, stuff. It, it was great. You know what? If you aren't going to give us the games that we want, the game designers will go and make those. Mm-hmm. So fuck it. Let yeah. them, let them fucking just do let them do it. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's talk about Roller Dome. Yeah. What a fascinating little indie title this is. Okay, so um, if anyone remembers the 80s, y'all, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the roller skates had four wheels, two on each side of your feet, and a little stopper on the front. And people, and, and if you live in Austin, you know exactly what a roller skate is because you know about roller girls. And this is still a thing. Roller, roller derby is a big thing. The roller derby is a big thing. People still do this. It's not like a huge audience. I mean, it's not even as big as like wrestling. Right. <laughs> like, don't get me started. Very few things are actually bigger than wrestling. I, yeah. hate to, I hate to break that to you. I mean, 
sports sports <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and movies and video games yeah. but yes wrestling is up there but what i'm saying is like for the most for the most part skating isn't a part of our daily lives but we have this game with a absolutely gorgeous art style if mm-hmm. i say so myself absolutely it's gorgeous cell shaded and like comic booky in in like a really interesting way about acrobatic skaters in a skate park mm-hmm. who fight each other with guns and bats and like and bats but like big guns and bazookas and bats and there's and, robots and there are robots and there are people piloting the robots and they get killed too um, and you have roller skates. And oh, I was very happy to note you're wearing a helmet. You are wearing because a helmet. Because you should be. Because yeah. you're in a skate park and but you might hurt yourself. But it has this weird synthwave vibe to it. Oh, it goes yeah. straight up back to the 80s. It is just like... It reminds me a lot of um, My Name is Pedro. It does. It, it, it's almost like if you played Tony Hawk, but then you gave Tony Hawk a couple of Uzis and it put somebody else in a giant robot. My and you're like, yeah. Tony Hawk, go kill that giant robot. That's what this fucking game is. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm here for that. That is my kind of shit. No, that sounds awesome. I'm, I'm definitely going to play this game. This is the kind yeah. of game that this and um, the other one that we saw, the other indie, that title that we saw, this is the type of stuff that keeps bringing people back to Sony. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So I have to talk about this game. First off, title is horrible. You know it's a Japanese game by the title. Eternal Nights. Mm. This trailer was so fucking batshit insane. Yeah. <laughs> so Eternal Nights is basically like a Devil May Cry game, but it has like a day system like Persona where like every day is important. But also it's super anime in that like the main character gets his arm chopped off. But he can have a machine gun for an arm now. Yeah, he has like magic arm. But also it's a dating sim. No, because all of his friends are girls. I, I literally noticed like as as this started, it's like, oh, anime characters. OK, what's this? And then I saw like a, a really intense fighting system and like some interesting like arm transformations into weapons and stuff. And he's fighting giant demons. And I'm like, cool. And then these um, female characters, also very anime, come on and start fighting as well. And then they all start talking to this one dude, and I'm like, "This is a harem anime. Yeah. I, this is definitely a harem anime, <laughs> and, but but it's a fighting game." And then yeah, then we get the whole reveal in the trailer, and it's like, "Yeah, it, it, it you know, fighting game meets dating sim." And I'm like, "It's a fucking harem anime. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely a please choose your date." And and like the, there's like four girls and one dude in the back, and all the girls have very distinct personalities, and the guy in the back's personality is probably gay. And you know this is it, it, it's a dating sim for you to, to customize as you see fit. Yeah, uh, Brooklyn's calling it "Date Your Dante." Yep, that's uh, yeah, that's a name for oh, it. Oh God, imagine how popular actual "Date Your Dante." Oh God. Would be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just give me the entire like cast of Devil May Cry 5 just in a line and please let me date them. Right. <laughs> I, I'm going to be like CJ during the uh, d- during the fucking Twilight video. Do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know what? This game is so fucking weird and stupid and it's not normally my kind of shit. But you know what? This might be my kind of shit. Yeah, no. This feels like like if, if you're new to the dating sim world, this might be your perfect right. window. Because even the game that I idolize, that I love so very much, the Persona series, 
at least at some point during Persona, you got to choose if you're going to date a motherfucker. There's or not. a dating sim in like, there. It's, yeah. it's in there. It's not like a big element to the game, but you got to pick if you're going to date one of them or if you're going to date all of them. If you can date all of them, you know it's going to end badly. Yeah. Hey, just, we've been dating. We've goes. been dating people since Mass Effect One. We know it's the just, score. It just absolutely happens that way. It's it is a weird enough game that if this game comes out during a lull in gaming and I just don't have anything to play, I'll be like, oh yeah, I want to play that fucking weird ass game. Yep. That's where I'm at on that. Mm-hmm. All right. It's time to get to the big stuff. Let's talk about Street Fighter Six. Who oh boy? Oh, I, I literally I was confused about whether or not it was Street Fighter Six when it started. You knew you, immediately. Yeah, yeah. I, I was looking, going like, but but what's happening? Like I was pretty sure it was Street Fighter Six, and then we had like this like walk through the city as a guy learns to fight. Yep. Then Chun Li showed up, and I was like, okay, it's definitely Street Fighter, but what's going on? Yeah, no, no, th- this was awesome. Mm-hmm. I would like to give credit where credit's due right now. My notes on Street Fighter Six are very minimal because I was very busy watching the trailer. Brooklyn is in chat right now giving us so much information. A lot of what we are about to say comes directly from Brooklyn's mouth. We wish you were here in the studio with us right now to talk about this. Um, he we says, appreciate you very much. He says that Street Fighter Six is touching on all previous iterations in some way. It's got the its drive mechanic. The drive mechanic is based around things like the Street Fighter Three parry system, the Street Fighter Four focused attack, a dash cancel, and the Street Fighter Five V reversal. It also has an open world RPG mechanic to it. Yeah. This Street Fighter is going to be nuts, y'all. Yeah, I, I, it's been a very long time since I even thought about a Street Fighter game, like as far as playing it myself. Mm. I like watching it. I love watching Evo every year. The last time you probably thought about it is when Brooklyn came down to visit and you and him played Street Fighter 5 again. Yep, that was the last time. So I, I could say I've had a pretty high level experience with the game. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, did, I, I, when I saw this trailer, I was like, I, I might actually fucking play this game. Yeah. Very few fighting games get me to buy in. Very, very few. It's never the fighting game itself. There's always a hook. But like an open world RPG where I get to get good at Street Fighter, like yeah. on my own, like with progression and like Skinner boxes and meters and shit. Yeah. Put this, that in my veins. This bullshit, I was sitting here watching it going, you know, I have been using the same fight stick for the last 15 years. Might be time to get a new time one. Time to buy a new one, mm-hmm. y'all. I'm pretty sure fight sticks have come a long way since my poor Street Fighter 4 fight stick. No, this might actually be, and if they do this right, and again, this is entirely speculation on my part, mm-hmm. but so everything about me ever trying to buy into a fighting game, one that my friends are all enjoying, mm-hmm. one that is great, a Guilty Gear comes to mind. Yeah, me and Ross uh, playing Guilty Gear and yeah, talking about like it endlessly. Yeah, like Dragon Ball back in the day. Every time I'm like ready to buy in, I just think about, I'm going to have to play this a whole, whole bunch to get better, and the only way to do that is to slam my face into opponents online right and that's going to be painful but i'm going to figure it out i gotta watch videos i gotta like study Mm. and then i just never do it if the game is able to take me through an actual like rpg style experience and at the end of it I feel like I know enough about the game to jump into a match against another person, then they've reinvented the fighting game for literally everyone who doesn't already play them. And Mm. that's what everyone should do from now on. Yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter is if you're not in the quote scene, when it comes to fighting games, Mm -hmm. um, fighting games have a history of having the shittiest tutorials because yeah, they're, they're terrible. They're just like, get good scrub. Yeah. 
They'll teach you whatever the main mechanic of the game is mm-hmm. and what the buttons do, and they'll give you a move list. Yeah. And if they're very, very good, they'll give you examples of characters pulling off that list, showing you when the timings match. Right. But that's it. Everything else, everything that you need to learn about fighting another person happens outside of the game. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. So everything about the Street Fighter looks really good. We have a new character in Jamie, I believe it's the name. Um, obviously, a lot of the classics have come back. We've already seen uh, Ryu. We've already seen Chun-Li. It, bro, if you don't put Cammy in it, I'm just going to revolt. And this yes. is just Oh, there's no way this zero, game doesn't have every Zero character. out of ten, no Cammy. Yeah. Um, but what I'm really fascinated by is when I was talking to Brooklyn about this um, outside of the show, he was saying that he feels like there's a lot of the energy from uh, Street Fighter 3 um, at, at the core of this experience that mm-hmm. he saw, which I think is really cool because as somebody who grew up playing fighting games, I grew up with, you know, Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat and all these. I, I obsessively played these games growing up. Um, I was that asshole who would tell you to come play me in this game so I could beat you mm-hmm. with my friends. Um, Street Fighter 3 was actually a blip in my uh, history of Street oh, Fighter. Yeah, no, it was for a lot of people. Yeah. We were at a weird age at that time. Yeah, I think it was like my like mid to end of high school Mm -hmm. and I think that I had a lot of other stuff going on and just like Street Fighter 3 kind of just you know it blipped out and I've heard so many amazing things about it obviously I was watching Evo at the time yeah like I remember watching the infamous like Justin Wong Street Fighter 3 fight and all that like I did see it but I just never really played the game myself which is weird because at the time I was still playing fighting games I had my Saturn which had a mod chip in it so that I could play Darkstalkers Um, I have all of my Japanese games that I own for my Saturn are all fighting games Mm -hmm. Um, just Street Fighter 3 was the one that I never played and I always found that really fascinating when I got to learn more about Brooklyn because that was like one of his favorites. And I was like, man, tell me about this like piece of your history that I missed out on. Right. Like tell me how good like street fighter three was. And so the fact that street fighter three's elements will be bleeding into six. I'm excited for, because that's an experience that I never really got to have. So no, that honestly sounds amazing. If we've been talking about street fighter for too long, I am sorry. I love (laughs) fighting games. I obsess over fighting games and I don't talk about them enough on the show, but I fucking love them. They're so good. Um, So everything about street fighter looks fantastic. The idea of this open world, uh, this open RPG to it is so fascinating to me. Yeah, I can't wait to see what Capcom can execute on this fucking a let's fucking go. Yeah. But also, and this will only make sense to 5% of our audience, it better have fucking rollback netcode. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think any, I don't think fighting games can release without rollback netcode anymore. I think there's just like an industry standard. It'd be like releasing a new car without a backup camera. Like, I don't think you can yeah. even do that anymore. Like there's right. probably a law against it, but even still, like if there wasn't, like can people, somebody put a law against not having rollback netcode in your fighting games? Yeah, straight up. Like you just, you you have to. Um, the, you can't compete otherwise. People will literally just look. Not buy man, your we game. live in Texas. Like the Texas government legislature will vote for really stupid things. That's here. true. We could probably sneak it in. We could probably sneak it in. Yeah. Be like, please put rollback netcode into all fighting games. Yeah. And they'll be like, yes. We'll, 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 we'll tell that. them it's about abortion. We're trying to roll back 
you know, yeah, a, that's a, a, it. abortion laws. Just don't don't read it. Just vote for it. Just, <laughs> yep. Just roll the rollback law. Vote for the rollback yeah. <laughs> law. Yeah, rollback. There you go. You're gonna sell your fighting game in Texas. We have a couple more things to talk about. Uh, we're about at the end here. Uh, we showed they showed off the game Tunic, which was released for PC already. Mm-hmm. Um, it's coming to PS4 and PS5. Uh, Tunic is a very cute. Zelda-ish game. Yeah, a uh, Zelda-like starring a, a cute little cartoon fox. It looks yeah. absolutely adorable, and I've heard nothing but good things yeah, about it. rave reviews. Fantastic that it's kind yeah, of... Yeah, it's going to be uh, one of those games highlighted at the end of the year on the indie reels for, like, best indie game, etc. Yeah. Only a couple more things to talk about here, but these are some pretty big ones. Mm-hmm. There was this really cool game called uh, Season, A Letter to the Future. Yeah, that's the other one that I was talking about. So it's highly stylized Mm -hmm. it's very chill my impression coming out of the trailer of this game is like you're playing a miyazaki film right right it's a it's a spirited away in a sense Mm -hmm. it's there there's a so so let me talk about the uh, uh the absolute beauty and melancholy of what i was looking at because they never say it outright but what it appeared like the main character the character you're playing was doing was trying to record as much as possible about the current world and interact with as much people with as many people and hear their stories and listen mm. to what they had to say as possible because he needed to share it with the people who came later. And the only the only reason I can think that, that might be is because they're all going to be gone. Mm. It sounds like he's trying to record the present for the future because they're all going to die. Yeah. And that's very much the feeling that I got. And that's very much the tone of what was being said with a beautiful art style, an amazing looking cast, uh, beautiful character design, audio design. Everything mm. looked just like what, like the, the tippy top of like the indie scene. And yeah. um, again, like I said before, indie games like this are what bring people to PlayStation. Yeah. Everything about it was gorgeous. I have to play it. Um, you can jokingly be like, well, it's just the riding your bike simulator because that, you know, that's what Death Stranding You're going to ride your bike a lot. You're going to ride your bike a lot. But like there did, now that you brought it up, there is kind of a dark undertone to the trailer and it'll be fascinating to see how it plays out. And honestly, you know what? Make fun of it and say like, it's like Death Stranding. Fuck you guys. I love that game. Death Stranding is amazing. And you don't, don't get to come back when two comes out and be like, oh, I love Death Stranding when you're hating on it now. Right. Fuck you, posers. We know who you are. (laughs) All right. Last thing to talk about. Last thing that wrapped up. And what a way to end this PlayStation State of Play, which has been a fantastic ride this whole way. Yoshi P, the head of Final Fantasy 14, the man, the myth, the legend, the guy who took Final Fantasy 14 from a failing project just literally destroyed it and then resurrected it and made it into one of the greatest games that exists right now in the world that so many people are playing. He made he, he, he made the wow killer. He made yeah, that's true. All the years of saying is this a wow killer? The motherfucker did it. Yeah, it I mean it took 20 years but like it Blizzard like, fucking up a lot. But, yeah, but 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 he did it. Yeah. Yeah, he the, the game to surpass the World of Warcraft. Yeah. We have it. And it's Final Fantasy fourteen. And it's Final Fantasy fourteen. And he came out and he said basically like, hey guys, sorry that Final Fantasy sixteen has been taking a while. And it has. H- had some things to do. He did. But here you go. We're gonna show you Final Fantasy sixteen. Yeah. As 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 someone who both 
loved and absolutely hated Final Fantasy 15. Mm. I and, and I could make an entire episode out of this. There are parts of that game that are so dear to me that I love so uh, much. If you'd like to donate to Patreon to have us do an episode about Final Fantasy 15, yeah. I am down. And there are parts of that game that are just sheer total disappointment to me. Yeah. Um yeah, I I can't stress enough how much I love hate that game. Mm. Um so I like I know all the lore. I listen to the soundtrack. I watched the 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 Sony the 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 the, movie. the, the Square Enix animation movie King's from Wave. beforehand, King Glaive, which is dope by the way. Um yeah, and and I, and I'll never play that game again. I fucking hate playing that game, <laughs> but I love that game a little bit a lot. Um Seeing this trailer, you hate fuck that game. I, oh, I did. Yeah, I did. Um, seeing this game, seeing the the, the combat come out and mm. the the just the, the the world felt so Final Fantasy again. I mean, this we are, trailer we are, we are back to the fantasy setting. Yeah, we are not modern anymore. Mm-hmm. We're back to yeah. No one got in a car. There might be cars. I don't know, but no one got in a car. I mean, there's always an airship. Yeah, the, the, but there were there were dragons. There were swords. Um, there was but, it, what, magic. but what it was definitely was an action game. Oh yeah, this felt sometimes a little bit like, uh, from the perspective like God of War, from the action I was seeing a little bit like a mix between uh, Devil May Cry and FF15, um, which is not a negative. Uh, some of the combat in the game was very cool. It was just kind of shallow, mm-hmm. which is what I'm hoping that they're fixing. Right. Um, and then we got to see, and this was like the highlight of the trailer, the actual summons. Yeah. You know, so summons, and this is just my personal opinion here, but take it with like, go in and watch this trailer. I, I think I'm right. The main crux of the thing that they wanted to show off was this boss battle system, the summon battle system mm-hmm. where two summons, two opposing summons fight each other. So it was like Ifrit on one side, Shiva on the other, or Odin and Bahamut. And like, you did not see the character's life bars during these fights. Right. It was like you were fight. It was like you were almost in like, like, I don't know how to describe it. Like, oh. a, like a kaiju fight scene. Yeah. 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 That absolutely. Um, there's a, and, and I'm just now having this idea, but like, what if you took everything that was final fantasy and, you know, from 15, like mm. upgraded it to, to be, you know, uh, better playable and more interesting. And then you did with final fantasy, what everyone was always kind of trying to do and never did. And you turned summons into Pokemon and you just fought them against each other. It could be like, this is again, this is all headcanon. Like I, we, we, we only we're interpreting a trailer. Like people interpret the fucking Bible. We have no right. idea what anyone, talking about mm. but it's it looks really fucking cool and yeah. i'm very excited for it and that's saying a lot um there wasn't a single cup of noodles anywhere to be seen yep um no coleman camping sites uh mm. both good brands by the way um but it, it yeah it looked very old school final fantasy and also very very modern in all of the ways that i was looking for yeah so i'm, I'm excited and to go back to the whole like it really feels like the summon versus summon is the crux of the mm-hmm. the central gameplay loop. Um, if you actually look at the logo, the logo is not people. It is two summons fighting each other. Right. So I really feel like this is the point that they're trying to drive home with this is this is the central part of this game that we will see these summons fight each other. Yeah. No, this it looks super cool. Um, the games have always, always, always been about spectacle. Yeah. I remember saying when FF15 was right about to launch, um, it was like a month before launch where they showed a trailer and for the first time 
they showed off a summon. Mm-hmm. Um, and Which we you had never no- fucking see summons in that game, by the way. Yeah, no, you don't. You, you see it very rarely. They showed it in a trailer in a place where it does not happen in the game. Yeah. Um, but it was the first time in years and years and years that I had looked at a game trailer and been like, whoa. Yeah. Graphics. Like graphics, fucking graphics. fucking graphics. Like I dude. haven't thought that since the PlayStation dude. 3. But like that trailer did it for me. This trailer with the spectacle and the awe and the pure like like square enix of it all like this kind of gave me some of those vibes there were summons standing over like huge like cities and populated areas just going to town Mm -hmm. and i was like whoa okay yeah yeah put me in coach yeah yeah super excited about Mm -hmm. it everything about it and you know what i'm loving you know when i was a kid it was great when we could get a final fantasy game once every couple years it Mm -hmm. was always a big point of excitement for me and my friends Uh, we often played final fantasy games together yeah so Mm -hmm. that was like a big thing for us to do um now we only get a final fantasy game once every like i don't know five six years and that's nice because those games can be long they can you know like as excited as as i am that it is persona's 25th anniversary and i want them to fucking announce persona 6 you cowards (laughs) i know what i'm getting into when that game comes out like Oh, yeah. Like I'm going to be checking out. I'll be taking the week off. We will not be doing a show that week. I will not exist to anybody but me and my PlayStation and my cats. And I will probably have Hector come over and feed my cats and clean the litter boxes so that I continuously <laughs> play Persona because I have a problem. <laughs> but I'm glad that Persona takes its time with its sequels and Final yeah. Fantasy has started to do that. And I'm glad that whatever we get with Final Fantasy 16, I am hopeful for because them taking that amount of time means we're going to probably get a really quality product. Oh yeah. And Yoshi P's behind it. And like, look, man, I'm not trying to blow smoke up executive faces, but I did play final fantasy 14 for a long time. I did see what that man did do to final fantasy. I played the original final fantasy 14. I know oh, how God. bad it was. Me too. And it was and, atrocious and truly unforgivably for him bad to turn that game around and then say, Hey, I want to take the reins on 16. That says something. And yeah. he has a belief in the quality of the products that he puts out. Mm-hmm. And that's why I have faith in him. Yep. He knows how to make a fighting system. I mean, even in an MMO like 14 and like no one's ever going to convince me an MMO will ever have an even decent fighting system. But the Final Fantasy 14 one is definitely entertaining. And which is more than you can say for a lot of main entry Final Fantasy games. It's a lot less just press one, two, three, four. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to how this game turns out, honestly. Like, I, I can't wait. Yeah. All right. That's everything that we have for the show this week. Don't forget that you can head over to patreon.com slash gnggcast to become a patron of our show. You can head over to facebook.com slash gnggcast where you can chat with us as well as talk to me at gnggcast on Twitter. Until next week for Hector, this is James. And for James, this is Hector. Everyone, good night. And good game.